In this episode of the Quick Pop Podcast, Ace is running solo today and giving a rundown of what happened on Raw and what he looks forward to seeing on the Raw Reunion Show. Also, just a quick peek back at Extreme Rules and AEW's Fight for the Fallen. Welcome to another episode of the Quick Pop Podcast. Uh, today, today's going to be an interesting one. Uh, we're just going to, I'm just going to settle it right off the bat. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, it's going to sound different. It's going to be different. And that is because it's just me on the knobs today. Uh, both of my co-hosts were busy today. And we're unable to make it, but the show must go on. We still must be out there recording. We still must be out there educating the masses and entertaining the WWE universe and the AEW universe and the New Japan universe, all of the universes. We we don't harbor any any guilt, ill will towards any of them uh, unless they don't pay their their wrestlers uh, Impact Wrestling. Um, so it's going to be a little difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's definitely going to be a little bit difficult to carry this on my own, but I will do my best uh, because WWE has, uh, they've made great strides. Uh, They haven't all been out of the park. None of them have been just like top tier. Well, okay. With the exception of Bray Wyatt, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, And that's not going to be the bulk of the the podcast. There's something else I want to talk about. Uh, on this episode of the Quick Pop Podcast. But uh, the bulk of what WWE has been trying to do has at least shown improvement. Um, the last two weeks or so of Raw uh, and SmackDown to a lesser degree, I think uh, Raw was able to take the take uh, the baton and just start running with it because Paul Heyman was able to get right in there. Uh, and Paul Heyman, if you didn't know, is now the executive producer for Raw. Uh, and Eric Bischoff is going to be the executive producer for SmackDown. And so we saw a huge shift the first week that he came back. Uh, we saw where, you know, they immediately started the show with uh, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley uh, tearing the house down, literally in some aspects. So there was pyro. Uh, there was like an injury angle. Like it felt it felt stronger. Uh, the next week we had uh, the Seth Rollins uh, match, the Seth Rollins and Becky match that felt like it was going to be the main event. And it turned into not the main event. It was just a match, but it was like the very first match. So we just got that boom right out of the way. Uh, SmackDown's been doing good too, but SmackDown has been to a lesser degree. Lesser degree in that uh, Eric Bischoff wasn't around, like already there on the scene to kind of take the wheel and things had to be brought in and had to be brought up to speed and everything like that. Uh, supposedly the day that I'm recording this, this Tuesday, the 16th is supposedly his first week. Uh, we were busy recording this. I say we, I was busy recording this, uh, when SmackDown was on. So I have not watched the episode. I've only watched Raw uh, previous, but it's important to note that I only watched the Raw previous and that is the important one because Two major things got announced on this past Raw. Uh, One that I'll cover briefly, but has huge implications. Uh, And one that I'll talk about that they talked about, and that this is going to be the bulk of the podcast. Uh, The one that I'll talk about briefly, uh, we finally, 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 finally got our payoff from the Bray Wyatt Fiend saga. 
Uh, it was Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. Uh, Samoa Joe beat Finn Balor. Uh, Finn Balor kind of came back and did some strikes and some moves to kind of look strong again. And then, like, the power cutout, I guess, is what they were entailing. And then, like, really creepy laughter and air raid sirens started happening. And then, like, flashes of light started showing uh, Bray, but, like, his fiend persona in the ring. And uh, the only thing that I thought was weird that was that uh, he gave he got a, uh, a move done to him. Uh, like, I, I say he got a move done to him. Bray Wyatt hit uh, hit Finn with, I guess you will call it the Sister Abigail for right now, but it was weird how the commentators were already calling it the Sister Abigail, like the move. Even though, yes, it's the same move, it's like it's supposed to be a new character, even though it's Bray. It's supposed to be like a new character. So it's weird that they're still calling it that, even though there hasn't been any indication that like they're still doing the Sister Abigail like talk and everything so i hope that changes but uh so yeah we finally got the payoff for that and it was actually handled well uh on this episode of raw and i'm glad that they debuted him on a on a weekly show instead of like necessarily feeling like they had to wait till a pay-per-view because now if they're smart they'll they'll pull him back again like they won't put him on another show they'll be like oh he showed up that one time and now he wasn't there next week and then he'll be here like the week after that like if they just start like teasing you with him like oh he was here and maybe he'll be here next week that's how you can get them to people to come in and come back uh there were a bunch of other stuff that came in uh i'm gonna wait to properly discuss some of the fallout from this past weekend of wrestling because there was a whole lot of wrestling that went down fight for the fallen happened this past weekend uh Extreme Rules happened this past weekend. It was surprisingly a decently good uh, Extreme Rules. Uh, so I'm going to wait for my co-host to come back to be able to discuss that. I feel like you need uh, multiple people's perspectives uh, when it comes to that. But uh, we're we're letting them take, take some time off. Uh, I believe Slate is still uh, busy. And uh, Jake had some priors in his family. Uh, issues that came up and he had to go take care of that uh our thoughts are out to dj jazzy jake and his family i know that they're currently going through a tough time but we will be here and welcoming him back onto the podcast next week hopefully in the meantime we will get now to the chunkier part of the podcast that i wanted to go over uh another thing that they had announced at extreme rules uh but then they kind of doubled down on on this episode of raw was the Raw reunion show. Um, one of the big things that they kept talking about was that all of these people are going to be coming back. Uh, a lot of rumors are speculating that Stone Cold Steve Austin is definitely going to make an appearance. And so with Stone Cold coming back, people are going, well, is The Rock going to come back? And so there's been a lot of talk about who's going to come back, who's not going to come back. Uh, that's been the big thing is like basically like who's going to show up, who's going to be there on uh, on the Raw reunion show. Uh, and so one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is just if this is going to be like, is this going to be like the 1000th show, like the Raw 1000 show, or is this going to be just like a special episode thing where like they bring in legends for ratings? Like they haven't really made clear what their, their plan is. Uh, so it'll be nice to see, uh, what they, what they plan to do, uh, with the Raw reunion show, but it got me thinking, uh, since it's just me on the on the mic today, uh, I thought I'd reach out to our audience and uh, see what our audience thought. See what uh, 
what our own personal um see what our own personal audience thought and what our own personal audience uh reunion they would like to see and i guess to to say that um i asked them what was some of the most memorable matches in recent years now i gave everybody that I asked a, a five-year uh, range to work with. Some of them extended that range. Uh, some of them worked within that range. Uh, not necessarily anything hugely like negative uh, like went down. Like I guess what I'd say is nobody went too crazy. Uh, Slate did go a little crazy. We kind of expected him to go crazy though. So like I don't think it was you know too unexpected for what he did. Um, but I will say this, I, I got a lot of good answers. I got a lot of crazy good, uh, responses. Uh, so we're just going to run on the list. I got, uh, what was, what was probably the most interesting thing was the way that I worded the question was, what was your most favorite and memorable WWE match of recent years? And I gave the modifier of, you know, within the last five years or so. Uh, just so they could, didn't have to go like, oh, you know, back in 1970 or 1980. Like, so you didn't have to go too far back, like, you know, in the WWE time frame to determine, like, what your favorite match was. And almost universally, uh, everybody, maybe short of, like, one or two people, uh, almost everybody asked, does NXT count? And... Obviously, I told every single one of them that, yes, NXT does indeed count. What I thought was interesting was the fact that they had to ask, does NXT count? Uh, it was just really strange uh, to, to think about the fact that a lot of people were like, okay, but you know, you're asking for WWE. Do you count NXT as WWE? And let's just take a little side note to say, like, yes, as far as I'm concerned, NXT is WWE. Uh, it sounds really silly to say it that way. Um, I know, like, you know, people are like, oh, well, no, that's the better product, and it's not truly WWE and everything like that. But for all intents and purposes, it's 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 WWE. In fact, I, from what I understand, they're trying to actually put NXT either on TV or they're trying to find a TV slot for it uh, and to put it on uh, as like direct competition to AEW's programming this fall, uh, which makes sense because if you're going to put your best foot forward in terms of programming to try and compete while you're still building up Raw and SmackDown because they are not quite at the level to compete. Although we don't know that because we don't know what AEW's week-to-week uh, -week programming is going to look like. I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but we don't know. Uh, one of the things that d AEW has going for it is the fact that... Uh, is the fact that like they can go in there and you know they can build stories over a large period of time and like I guess by what I mean about that is when you watch a, a, a AEW story uh, take place, um, it's not like it's not that they don't develop the story; it's that they don't do it weekly. They do it through the YouTube series. They do it through like just general social media and everything like that. Nothing is direct. Nothing is week and week and week and week and week. They give you the story. And so because they're able to work at their own pace, they can deliver the story on their own time. They can put a lot more effort into the individual segments instead of having to crank one out every week. I don't think that's going to change 
when they go into weekly because I feel like they'll put that same dedication and heart into uh, the weekly. The only thing that kind of concerns me right now is the AEW shows still have a little bit of a production hump to get over. Some of their production values, the camera work, uh, songs popping off when they're not supposed to. There's a lot of not like killer bugs at fight for the fallen but there was just little stuff that kept happening at fight for the fallen that made you realize that they're still not quite on their a game when it comes to production quality that's not a killer in their business but if left unchecked that could be bad camera angles uh, mistimed cues things of that nature Um, their sets look good so like their visual production like the actual physical sets and stuff like that that's really good. They really need to get their technical uh, and their camera work under wraps, especially if they're going to go into to TV uh, because TV is going to get scrutinized. And so you really, really, really got to be on top of it when it comes to uh, when it comes to TV time, because they're not like you're going to have to do that every single week. And like that's that's some like throwing thrown to the fire level training. And you don't want to have to do that. And so. I really hope that they get some of those bugs worked out. But I'm getting off topic again. So I gave everybody the the question, what was your favorite uh, matches within the last five years? And they said NXT. And so the whole thing was, yes, absolutely NXT counts. And what was surprising about that, well, I guess not really surprising. What was intriguing about that is when you include NXT in the mix, a lot of people's favorite matches change. A lot of people tend to favor the NXT matches. And that's to be expected because I feel like we've gone on and on and on on this uh, podcast that NXT is putting out consistently good matches. Um, WWE has the capability to put out good matches, but um, NXT has consistently put out good matches. And that's what makes it a really, really good product is that they're able to consistently put out a really good product uh, every every Wednesday night on the network. And it's just so crazy to think about the fact that like they're not getting the same huge viewership, but they are putting way more effort into it. I mean, and that definitely has something to do with Triple H being at the head of it. Uh, but it's just interesting to think that like, the the quote unquote I mean I don't I don't really actually consider them minor leagues, but it's just like the weird hierarchy that they've got. Because, you know, you get called up to the main roster, they say. But, like, so it's almost that, like, they treat NXT like the Little Leagues, which it's not. It's it's definitely not. But it's weird to think about, like, the lower leagues are getting way more memorable moments than the, quote, upper leagues, like the main event. We do have some main roster matches, though. So nobody was completely devoid. So without me rambling on any further, uh, we're just going to go down these in no particular order. Uh, just going to pick some out here and there. These are all from various people. I've got a couple from uh, former co-hosts, uh, listeners of the show. Uh, other people have written in. Like, there's just, there are a lot of different entries. Uh, a lot of multiples, a lot of duplicates. You know, a lot of people's ch- tastes do line up because a lot of these matches were really good. Uh, and we'll just kind of briefly touch on what probably made each one special to them and what probably made uh, the match special just in general. Like, I mean, maybe they had a special connection, but I could also see why a lot of these uh, were really, really special. Uh, starting out was uh, honestly uh, crazy. Uh, every A lot of people uh, chose John Cena versus AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. 
for those of you who didn't watch that match, that was a surprising match because that was right around the time when uh, they were trying to really push AJ Styles up. Uh, and I think that was during the U.S. title run. And so, or if not during the U.S. title run, it was when he was like having it and around it and everything like that. And, uh, you know, John Cena, like everyone talks about, he's, you know, WWE Superman. You can't beat Superman. Uh, but the match that those two put on uh, at the Royal Rumble uh, 17, I believe, Royal Rumble 2017, that was a fantastic match. Like, better than any right that I had to. And I mean, to be fair, it's two people who definitely can go in the ring. John Cena, you can hate him all you want. There's a reason he is who he is, though. The the popularity that he has, the, the respect that he gets in the ring, like he's got such a pedigree behind him because he knows what he's doing and he consistently puts on a good show. Um, he That's not to say he's immune to bad shows because he's definitely had some bad, some bad matches, but uh, you can, you can usually expect uh, decent quality to come out of a John Cena match. And then you throw in AJ Styles, who was still on the rise at that time, uh, it's just a it's a double whammy of like adding good to good. It's got to be good. Um, a lot of people had selected because a lot of people picked more than one. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that. It's like that. It's, this doesn't like nullify a lot of people's picks. I'm saying like a lot of people pick this. A lot of people sent several picks in because a lot of people are, are really hard to pick just their favorite. So they put put multiple in, and a lot of people had picked uh, the John Cena versus AJ Styles uh, Royal Rumble match. Uh, pardon me. Have to take sips of fluid when you're talking by yourself. Um, so this the another one that was huge. This was like, like I said when I said, uh, "What's your favorite match?" And everyone wanted to talk about. Well, is NXT included? This was almost universally their top pick, or at least in their top picks. And that was the uh, Johnny Gargano versus Ciampa match at NXT Takeover New Orleans. Uh, I believe that was also an unsanctioned match. And so it was like, you know, super hardcore, beat the crap out of each other kind of match. Fantastic match. None of the takeovers have been bad. Uh, that's been just one of those nice little holy grails that NXT has to its name. When they do do pay-per-views, the takeovers, uh, they they definitely do them well. NXT takeovers are almost universally always good. Uh, they've always had, of course, their little highlights and low low spots, but almost always, always, always NXT takeovers are really, really good. And the takeover New Orleans with Gargano versus Ciampa, that that one was definitely a good. And like I said, it was unsanctioned, so there was that real like, you know, like ooh, what's gonna happen? And you know, like especially in the NXT, uh, you know, uh, roster, like that was like a new thing. Like the, you didn't usually get those type of matches. And so it was really cool. Um, if we're just talking about that, uh, a couple of people also picked uh, Tyler Bates versus Pete Dunn at NXT takeover Chicago. Again, takeovers are always putting out consistently good shows. So when people say like, Oh, did you see mean NXT? That means they're probably picking up takeover show. And it, there's a, probably a good reason why like that's, I mean, every single one, of the NXT picks were big NXT matches at TakeOver. Uh, there was no like, oh yeah, on this episode of NXT, like there was a fantastic match. Like 
that it was just that level. And that's what was also interesting. Uh, I didn't expect anyone to go like, oh yeah, on this September 12th episode of, you know, Raw, like this fascinating, fantastic match. Uh, we've kind of grown out of the era of like huge, huge, huge matches on weekly shows. The the memorable ones happen on the pay-per-views. And I really hope this new outlook from Paul and uh, Eric Bischoff can change that. Not that like all of a sudden people will start remembering individual dates, uh, but just that like the weeklies will matter again. Because there was a period of time where the weeklies were literally just the the bits to get you between the pay-per-views and it definitely felt like you know oh okay we had a pay-per-view now we just kind of slog through you know a couple weeks of this so we can get to the next pay-per-view because that was where the action happened that's where the big stories wrapped up so it'll be nice to see a a product where the weeklies matter again um so there another one that was really interesting uh, someone picked the Usos versus New Day at Hell in a Cell. That one uh, kind of shocked me a little bit. I had to go back and watch that one because it was it was very out of the blue. Like not necessarily like bad out of the blue, but just like oh okay, like unexpected. I guess would be the word I would say out of the blue. Um, and it was when I went back and watched it, I was like, no, you know what? I see because. Uh, the New Day consistently, again, I, I'll, I'm going to just say this always, the New Day consistently puts out, the New Day has been one of those fantastic triple tag teams uh, that you don't want to see broken up. Uh, everyone's talking about like, oh, when are they going to include the the angle where you know one of them turns on them? I actually, I hope they don't ever do that because I feel like they're those one of those special teams where they need to stay together. Uh, because you'll lose the allure of them by breaking them up. Because uh, Biggie's fantastic, and I mean we're seeing a new side of Kofi, which is which is nice. Uh, and I mean Xavier Woods could probably rock the mic by himself, no problem. But it's when they're in a group that they add this whole nother level of dynamic that I just don't think that you'll get if you put them into a solo storyline. Like if you only had. Xavier Woods by himself like who would you even have him feud with like Dolph Ziggler I mean he's it's sad that you know you're like who do you feud with oh you put him with Ziggler Ziggler shouldn't be like the default heel to stick somebody with um so it's they definitely need that group dynamic because a group can feud with whoever like you can have the New Day feud with Kevin Owens and it can Kevin Owens can then just find people to kind of like side with him. The New Day can feud with Shane McMahon. The New Day can feud with whoever. Like they have that neat cohesiveness that allows them to act as a singular unit instead of it being like three dudes ganging up on one guy. Uh, and then you've got the other side, which is the Usos, who aside from the New Day and maybe like the Revival uh, and a couple of others, like they're a really, 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 really strong tag team. Like one of the best tag teams that WWE has right now. And that's why they put them in so many matches because they know, they know that like, that's, that's the best they've got. And they've got to keep putting them out there because they don't have any other options. It sounds horrible to say that, but it's the truth. Uh, they don't have any other options. They have to keep putting the Usos out there. It's kind of bad the the stick that they have right now with uh, the revival about like pulling pranks on them. I think we've moved past from that. Uh, if they can get the revival 
to feel legitimate, the Usos to continue to be that like old school hardcore team. Because you remember, it's so weird to think about the fact the Usos used to have this like real tribal vibe thing going on, and like we all were wondering, like, oh man, when they quit doing that, like that's when it's gonna start. Like when they went to that like kind of like Uso penitentiary, like hard street life kind of feel. I can even remember going like they've ruined the Usos. This is how you kill the Usos. They had the tribal thing that was really cool. The two brothers, Jay, Jimmy and Jay Uso, and they had the two like the painted faces that matched up and everything. But I honestly like this version of the Usos now. Like when you take a step back and realize this, like very like I don't know, almost thuggish. Not really, but like you know what I mean. Like that we hard, we tough, like. I think that vibe, that actually works with them. And it su works surprisingly well for them. Uh, so you got, you know, Revival. You got the Usos. Um, if they can handle the, the Viking Raiders a little bit better. They're currently just killing jobbers. Uh, hooray, look at our, you know, dominating tag team that we pulled up from NXT, I guess. I don't know. Um, who else? I mean, we've, of course, we've got uh, the new Daniel Bryan and uh in his cohort uh you've got i mean you got heavy machinery they've got a thing going i think that's really the only like notable tag teams uh, i mean you got street profits they're hanging around but i don't think they're going to be called up i think they're just using them for vignette and like entertainment purposes uh but i can't think of any other team that's like really posing like a threat i mean like there's i'm sure there there are teams that i'm just not thinking of but if they're if i'm not thinking of them it's because they're not winning like lucha house party yeah nobody's thinking about lucha house party they were a cute novelty idea they have fallen off the radar in terms of popularity like they're just not a thing anymore um i've gotten way off track but the the point of the matter is tag teams can make good matches uh on a slightly different note, apparently Rollins versus AJ. Uh, this person didn't include which Rollins versus AJ, uh, but I can think back to a time where AJ and uh, Seth Rollins had some really, really good matches. Uh, I don't know if any of them were barred burners, so maybe someone they had they had the personal connection to this uh, particular match. Uh, they didn't, like I said, I don't think they gave a particular. Uh, a particular match in mind they just said rollins versus aj but i can think back to some of the matches that they've had and i can't think of any that i was like i was disappointed in this match uh both of them were very very good competitors uh both of them perform at a very high level in the ring and so like even if you just told me that this match on paper existed like and they didn't actually wrestle i could see the wrestling match in my mind so without even knowing specifically what match you're talking about uh rollins versus aj that's definitely a good choice um one of the one of the most interesting picks uh mainly because uh i feel like it's a little little right there on the edge of the five-year line uh but also because like it was it's like the pinnacle of picking like a, a momentous match uh was one person shows daniel bryan versus triple h now, the thing is, they said Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. I'm not sure, though, if they were talking about Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, just his qualifying match, or if they mean, like, Daniel Bryan winning at WrestleMania 30. It wasn't exactly 100% clear uh, there. 
So you know what? We're just going to conclude both. Um, the Daniel Bryan versus Triple H match, though, where Daniel Bryan had to qualify to the triple threat match later between, uh, I believe it was Randy Orton and Batista. This shows you just how like out of it I am. It's been a long time. Uh, but it was it was between, I think, Randy and Batista, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, just, uh, just the match that he went through with Triple H to qualify to participate in the match later that very night. And this is both, I mean, this is all happening at WrestleMania 30. Like, now, granted, that was that was the cursed WrestleMania, because uh, that was also the WrestleMania where uh, there was the flip side shocking moment of uh, the streak being broken. So, I mean, you could go to, you know, both sides of the line there and say, like, oh, yeah, not only did we get, uh, you know, Triple H versus... Uh, versus Daniel Bryan, but we also got the streak being broken uh, by the still around and still putting in just about the same amount of effort, Brock Lesnar. But that's not a here, neither here nor there. Um, so in terms of just what they put on paper, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, fantastic match. Uh, really, really, really good match. The only thing that I think might sour it in my eyes, and this is absolutely no disrespect to the person who picked this match. This was a good match to choose. The only thing that sours it to me is if you look, are you looking at the match on its own or do you look at everything that happened afterwards? Because everything that happened afterwards, it was great story-wise, but also to me, like if you took look at it in story, it's like, oh, okay, you lost. So now I'm just going to beat you up. So for later, like I understood why it happened to happen story because it made the triumph that much sweeter, but it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, you couldn't just have a match, but I'm a face at heart. So like anytime that the heel acts up, like I'm like, Oh, why did you do that? So, I mean, that's definitely like face bias uh, there. So that's a totally different story. That's neither here nor there, but I, I, I like the pick. Um, all right. I just wish it was a little more specific because it's very unclear if you're talking about, uh, Triple H versus Daniel Bryan qualifier match or Daniel Bryan winning the the belts specifically. But both of those, very, very good. Um, another one that was interesting, uh, going right back to the uh, to the NXT, is Shinsuke's debut. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus uh, Zayn, Sami Zayn. Uh, that right there, that was a good one. Um, I hadn't actually thought of that one. Like, it was interesting that when someone brought that up, because, like, when when they brought it up, I was like, huh, you know, I never thought about that. But I believe it was TakeOver Dallas was when uh, Shinsuke debuted, and he faced against Sami Zayn. And this is back when Sami Zayn was still in NXT as well. And this is back when we had the good Sami Zayn. Not necessarily saying Sami Zayn is bad now. It's just Sami has a bad case of take the pinitis uh, in WWE nowadays. Uh, so one sec. So I think one of the bigger issues, uh, with Zane right now is we're supposed to be, see him as this like super awesome dude. And then, you know, it, he gets pulled back to the level that he is, uh, of taking pins. So we're getting completely off track though. Nakamura versus Zane, uh, he he this is when you know we all when we saw shinsuke nakamura being debuted in next he uh he had the reputation that uh preceded him uh nakamura was well known uh over in new japan and that area ring of honor all that stuff 
And so when he was coming over to wrestle in WWE and he was bringing a strong style, uh, this is when Sami Zayn was still hot. And so it was going to be interesting to see how Shinsuke uh, tied up with uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, and, oh, that was a fabulous match. Fabulous match right there. Uh, it's, it's interesting because right now uh, I could not say that Shinsuke Nakamura is performing on the same level that he did back at his debut and poor Sami Zayn is absolutely not performing on the same level that he is uh Nakamura at least right now is currently the IC champion and Sami Zayn is being allowed to say all kinds of craziness on the microphone but I don't believe either of them are really performing at the same level that they were previously performing at so it's interesting to think about the fact that like they had such a great match back at NXT TakeOver, and now look where we are. Um, I think that was it for submissions. Let me look over my list one more time. Yeah, uh, like I said, a lot of people fell into the same category. Like There were a lot of people that liked the same match, uh, and for good reason, because a lot of the matches were really good. Uh, oh, I completely skipped this one. This is my bad. We did have a women's match on the card. Uh, Bailey versus Sasha Banks at NXT Brooklyn, the first one, I believe. Uh, and again, this was back in their NXT era when we had, well, when we had Sasha Banks. Nobody really knows where Sasha is right now. Uh, and then we had Bailey, who was still the hugger personality, but she was way, way, way better treated back in the NXT era. Uh, she's still okay now. Uh, nothing wrong with the way she's, you know, going right now. She's the champion. Uh, she's got a decent story. Decent is maybe a stretch, but she's got a story. Uh, and so, man, this though was this was them in their heyday. Like this is what you know put them on that like four horsewomen of the new era uh, levels. Uh, fantastic, fantastic match. And it's interesting. It was nice to see somebody chose this women's match as one of their. Uh, one of their matches like at, at the top because I believe you know we we look a lot at the women as like a side project uh if especially everything pre-women's revolution and that's just not the case the the women had some really really fantastic matches pre-women's revolution and then like right when the women's revolution happened uh we we had some good and then it kind it's kind of petered out but it's almost more like it's hit like cruise control uh, they haven't totally bombed out, but they've definitely stopped trying to step on the gas. Uh, so that's definitely something that could improve in the future. Um, but that, that for sure now was the end of the list. So um, lots and lots and lots of really good matches here on this list. Uh, man, and if I had to pick, oh, if I had to pick a personal favorite match. Uh, it, see, for me, when it comes to personal favorite matches, uh, you have to realize uh, there's a little bit of like the in ring that I look for, uh, the story and everything. But for me, what really would sometimes solidify a match for me is like my personal connection to the match. And so I would definitely have to say it would be WrestleMania 32 or 3, the one where they were in Orlando uh, and the Hardy Boys returned. That was probably the one I have not popped that loud in a long time uh because to set the scene i actually got to attend that wrestlemania um it shows you i'm sitting here guessing which one it is i was there um and it was it was just this great moment and they were setting up for the fatal 
it was the triple threat, I believe, match. And uh, then the New Day came down and they were like, hey, it's a fatal four-way now. And they were like, now who could possibly be the fourth team? And they were already kind of in ring gear. And so they started shutting down. And so everyone's like, oh, snap, the New Day. They were the hosts of WrestleMania, but now they're more than the hosts. And they started shutting down. And then when the Hardys music hit, you got to remember, they had been doing huge things over in, uh, oh, where were they? TNA, I believe, or, oh, man, see, this is what happens when old age happens. They had already been doing their stuff on the indie scene, uh, blowing up over on the indie scene. Like, they were the reason to watch the indie scene uh, was for the woken or broken uh, Matt Hardy stuff. it was fantastic stuff. And so when we're all sitting there in an arena going like, oh, snap, New Day, it's there, it's going to be there. And then you hear that Hardy Boys music hit. Oh, man, the the electricity in the air from that night was just insane. Like, just, oh, man, like the roof blew off. Uh, not to mention, this is also the night where it was Roman Reigns versus Undertaker, where Undertaker, quote, unquote, retired. Uh, and we ignore the fact that it was Randy Orton versus uh, Bray Wyatt, where they did the oogie spooky uh, projected images in the middle of the ring. Uh, that was definitely the highlight for me was that match, and it was a hundred okay, ninety percent for sure. Just the atmosphere that I was experiencing in the match itself was awesome too, because it was a ladder match, so like it was right up the the Hardy Boys wheelhouse. Um, but it was mainly the the atmosphere was what really did it for me that made that match that special. Uh, so the reason I did all this, the reason we did this little neat retrospective into people's favorite matches and submissions is because, like I said, the Raw reunion show is this coming Monday. Uh, it's probably going to be just a three-hour spot fest of personalities. They'll probably drag Stone Cold out. They'll drag Hulk Hogan out. Booker T is supposed to be there. Um, they'll probably get Ron Simmons. Like they'll probably just drag out any legend that. Oh, Ric Flair's supposed to be there. So I mean, like you know, poor guy. Like I love Ric Flair to death, but he's starting to reach that really old man like stage of his life where he can no longer style it and profile. It's more like walking and talking, uh, like just making it kind of thing. Uh, so God bless him if he makes it out there and tries to do anything in the ring. Uh, hopefully Batista doesn't show up this time. If he does, hopefully they'll put an armed guard on him. But the uh, the reunion show should be good. Hopefully it's not just a rehash of Raw 1000. Uh, hopefully it, it'll be either like its own big thing or it'll be a proper like, hey, you know, let's get the band back together. Let's, you know, just have a nostalgia pop for a nostalgia pop's sake. Because, uh, I mean, everyone's going like, oh, they're just doing this for ratings. Yeah, but here's the thing. Sometimes that's fine. Sometimes TV shows do things for ratings, and we just have to, as an audience, go like, oh, we're lucky they decided to do this. You know, we can't just expect to be like, oh, your ratings are doing terrible. Well, you shouldn't do anything. No, they're absolutely going to do something to improve ratings. That's that's what you do. Um, so it's just weird to see the people complain that, like, oh, this is just because low ratings. Yes, 100%. It's because of low ratings. That's That's the point. Um, so it's interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, hopefully, you know, like I said, hopefully it'll be a proper reunion show and not just like, hopefully they they do more for the reunion part 
Like I'd like to see like uh, 60% the reunion stuff, 20% the normal Raw storylines that need to go forward, and then 10% obviously hyping up SummerSlam because now that's the next thing that's coming. So they got to do that. Um, in the meantime, uh, I'm, we're going to go watch SmackDown, see if uh, if uh, Eric Bischoff's first night uh, really made a difference. Uh, to all you lovely people, if you, for some reason, and if you are, don't tell me personally, but, you know, if you are and you're just like, man, you know, when I normally uh, listen to the Quick Pop podcast, uh, I, I listen, but, man, every time that that ace guy talks, I just have to suffer through, then I apologize because you just had a really terrible episode to listen to. And if you listen this far, then bravo. Thank you for listening this far. Uh, if you're a fan of, of the, the ace, then, uh, Hey, maybe this will be your favorite episode. It's uh, like 40 plus minutes of just me talking and, uh, you know, yeah, that's probably not a good thing. That's why we have co-hosts. <laughs> Hopefully they will be back next week. Almost assuredly they'll be back next week. Uh, so make sure you tune in. We'll have a lot to discuss. We'll have to discuss the future of Raw. If we see the improvements, we might do a quick little recap since the boys will be back in town. Uh, and what to look forward to in SummerSlam. There's a lot of stories being brewed, and I would like to discuss maybe uh, what we'd like to see. Of course, also, AEW had their pay-per-view, and so with All In coming up, it'd be, it'd be nice to talk about what's going down with them. And of course, over in New Japan World, the G1 is, as, of, as it is, you know, still chugging along, so eventually we'll get the G1 finale and when that finally does happen, which is no time soon, I don't think, uh, we'll be there covering that too. So, I mean, your big three are definitely right now, WWE, AEW, and New Japan. Uh, somewhere in there is Impact, uh, Ring of Honor is floating around in there somewhere, and some of these other promotions. But those are your big three boys, and uh, they're all doing, doing big things right now, big major storylines. Uh but until then, in case I get all rambly, uh, we're just going to sign off for now. Thank you all so much for watching. Make sure to uh, give us a follow on all our social medias at Quick Pop and over on Facebook. We have a Quick Pop page. We're trying to be a lot more active on there. If we get some more interaction, we'll start interacting with the fans. And that'll just promote us to come out of our social shell. And you want to see us come out of our social shell. Um... Uh, Nothing to plug. Normally I let uh, this time for my guests or my co-hosts to plug whatever. But since I'm the only one, there's nothing really to plug. So I will just leave you with a nice little uh, farewell. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. Uh, stay tuned. Stay humble. Don't let the fiend eat you. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>